0: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sent him as our substitute and orchestrated our salvation through him. God's word for our deeper meditation, the gospel we just heard. I reread verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death A light has dawned. Lord, guide us in truth. Your word is truth. Dear Christian friends, though we've got a little bit of a cold snap going on right now, I certainly hope that you all were able to take advantage of the warmer weather the last few weeks and take down your Christmas lights. As I was driving in this morning at four, I realized that not everybody has done that though. There's still some lights shining out there, but at this point I think we're calling them epiphany lights, not Christmas lights. It really seems to be one of the joys of the season, doesn't it? Those lights hanging on all the buildings, and now with all this new modern technology, the, the speakers that go along, so you get musical arrangements that go along with the, the flashing of the lights, brings a lot of joy in a really cold season. I have to admit, though, they aren't my favorite lights. My favorite lights, you don't really see a whole lot at this time of year. Though they do come with a really neat musical track that goes along with special flashes. And my favorite light doesn't come with the really cool colors of the Christmas season either. My my favorite light comes kind of only in a bluish, purplish glow. Maybe one or two of you could have guessed what my favorite light is by now a bug zapper. As each one of those flies goes towards that bluish purplish light, there's a zap and a flash of light and I smile a little bit more because I get to enjoy the evening just a little bit longer. The way that the light is supposed to work is as the the mosquito comes closer to me, it sees this light and it just can't resist going towards it. So instead of going to the food me, it goes towards that overpowering light. It's drawn to it until the electric fence takes it out. Being drawn to the light. Being drawn to the light is something that was of higher value in the older days. Before that beautiful technology that gave us bug zappers was around, The only sources of light that we had were the sun, moon, stars, and fire. So when it was a dark night and one had to be out and moving around, to see light in the distance would be a beautiful and joyful thing. It meant fire and people, food and safety, and people would get drawn to that light because it was likely something that was good for them. The knowledge of that kind of bright light is what Isaiah wrote into his words of hope for our first lesson. And the fulfillment of that hope are our words before us now. We see in this Jesus the light of the world. And in faith we find ourselves drawn to the light. We're drawn to it because it is special. And because he is our salvation. Now this light began to shine brightly in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. We don't really talk a whole lot about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali though. It's not the common phrasing that we have. In this season of Jesus' life, right after his uh, temptation in the wilderness, he withdrew to the area of Capernaum in Galilee. Those are his old stomping grounds. And that area just happens to be where the tribes of Zebulun Zebulun and Naphtali, it's hard to say that back to back a whole bunch of times, Zebulun and Naphtali occupied that region right along the Sea of Galilee when the people of Israel first moved into the land of Canaan. So we're used to thinking about Galilee, but we can put right alongside of that Zebulun and Naphtali. And we think this is a good Israelite slash Jewish area, right? Not so much because we remember when the Israelites moved into the region they were supposed to drive out all of the Canaanites and they didn't and then throughout the history of Israel with them doing what they're supposed to and then really not and then God finally pouring judgment out in the 8th century BC he used the Assyrians to punish them and the Assyrian method of uh, occupying was to bring people from their home and drop them in so instead of a really pure Jewish area right here along the Sea of Galilee we really have Galilee of the nations or Galilee of the Gentiles uh, very much a mixing of peoples and traditions if we have our minds set that Jesus was hanging out in a good Jewish area with good Jewish people, we're, we're a bit off. We're much more correct in adopting the imagery of Isaiah and saying it was a dark land. So in this somewhat questionably safe setting, we're also told that this is right after John the Baptizer's arrest. Jesus began to preach with the phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In such a blend of cultures, this was not a message that you would have heard proclaimed at this time, and certainly not one very loudly by the dockside where a kind of rough type of person would be at work. And yet there Jesus walked, and that he preached. And there was an awful lot to pull people's attention away from Jesus, this rather normal-looking Jewish guy who was speaking a rather uncommon message. There were a lot of people there doing business. Various people pushing and jostling, arguing and haggling to get their work done. And yet there, there was this beautiful message and a light before them And quite a few people didn't notice because they were drawn to other lights. There were other things that needed to get done. Business to be attended to, shops to get stocked, fish to be brought in, children to be trained, trained, fed, corralled. All of that just on the dock side. And then you go into the town proper, and oh, all the lists so much more. Trade going on, visitors to assess, cleaning to get done, rent to be collected, taxes to be paid, etc. You know, our setting really isn't all that different. Sure, it may not be as smelly as a fish market, but there's still just as much going on, isn't there? There's so much buzzing going on, and I don't mean just out there, I mean also inside of our heads. Our minds want to focus on this thing over here, and then that thing over there, and then, oh yeah, did you remember to do this today? It's so busy. We keep getting drawn in multiple directions, and each one of them a light in the darkness to get us to notice it and to follow it like a will-o'-the-wisp. And our natural mind has a certain type of thought that it wants us to go behind. Our minds want us to conform to the ways of the world. Go ahead and and use those those sentence enhancers. That will help you fit in. Don't, Don't worry about talking about Jesus as an exclamation. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about saying, oh my God, when you're not praying. That's what everybody else is doing. It's fine. It's fine. Look out for number one. Get things done your way. And don't worry about throwing somebody else under the bus for your mistake. That's just fine. Don't, everybody does it. You're, you're okay. And then what about the, the dim light that says, well, one hour of church is It's enough. You don't need to come back or or come early or come stay late for Bible study with fellow believers. That's that's really not important. We sat in the pew. We sang the songs. We did it. We're good. Is that a light that gets our attention from time to time? Maybe the lights that we follow are got to get the kids to school, get to work, and then. And then there's band, basketball, soccer, and then we've got to get dinner on the table and then finish the reports, make sure the homeworks are done. Then I can sit down for five minutes, go, and then go to bed because we've got to do this all over again tomorrow. And the thought of devotion or church or prayer are nowhere to be found our natural mind attracts us to the natural state of man, which would be spiritually blind, dead, and hostile to God. And it doesn't have to be against God to be hostile. It just has to replace him. It just has to push him to the side for a little bit. But this message of Jesus, it's different than those natural thoughts. It says, repent, confess your sins, change your mindset, think of heaven, because it's coming. Put God first in your mind. See, this Jesus, this light, it shines very differently than everything else around. And when something special shines like that, we are drawn to it despite the distractions. Like if you were walking down Midtown in in New York City, it's a bustling place with all kinds of activity, many people, tall, tall skyscrapers, shouting, laughing, moving, music, walking through this frenetic, Experience, and as you walk through, you see a flower in the middle of the sidewalk. And I don't mean a dandelion or something like that. I mean something amazing like a stargazer or a crocus. In this concrete jungle, suddenly a flash of silence, serenity, and beauty. Something like that grabs your attention and holds you. Because it's special. Now, historic downtown Grafton isn't really as bustling as New York City. But there are just as many other lights that are floating around for us to follow, trying to grab our attention. And then we see a flower, the rose of Sharon. Jesus, our light dawning on a land, a special light that's different than all the others. And Jesus is more than this message that he is preaching. He is that salvation. He is the one who brings heaven near. The setting into which this light and salvation shone was what one Isaiah framed as one in the shadow of death. And the world still is, isn't it? How many slogans are out there that say life is hard and then you die or some variation thereof. How many out there in this world are totally consumed with the work of this world because that is all they have. As Jesus called his first disciples, he saved them from that empty conformity to this world. His light shone and his message penetrated and he brought them to a new understanding of what their life meant. As they followed Him, they saw His miracles, they heard His messages, they learned more. As they saw Him crucified and resurrected, they learned more. And because of their contact with this light of salvation, they grew. They grew in faith. And has He done any less for us? Well, our calling hasn't been from His physical body as we were out fishing in the lake. No. Instead, we have been caught by the net of His means of grace. His saving word has come to us in Holy Scripture. His Holy Spirit has come to us through the sacrament of baptism. And as we taste His body and blood, in, with, and under the bread and wine in the blessed sacrament of communion. We taste His forgiveness. We see that He is good in that perfect sense. He he saw the state of His people and then sent His Son to rescue us. As we bask in the light, just like the disciples, we grow too by coming into this world and sacrificing himself for us, he restored that lost relationship with God. He changed us from a people living in the shadow of death to a people with a certain hope of eternal life in heaven with him. And that truth changes the way that we go about our lives. Maybe not a whole lot in the function of the day, There's still school, work, meals, homework, etc. And though maybe we could do with a little less of that optional bustling, as Christians we do that bustling not to fill our days with some empty this is it type of mentality. We do the work of the day with the repentance in mind. And that is contrition and faith. That is being sorry for our sins and also trusting in Jesus who came and saved us. So we make time, extra and special, to stop and block out all of those other lights to focus purely on Jesus and His light. His light has shone on us like a raging fire in the middle of coldest winter. When we should have been freezing and despairing, when there was no hope of us saving ourselves, He came and He warmed us to our bones. He brought us back to life and then He equipped us with flaming torches of His fire to go out and shine that same saving light to those around so that they might see and be drawn in and made alive again in his light of salvation. Christians, there are many lights in this life trying to get our attention and draw us in. Every one of our natural instincts would draw us into something that would damage us irreparably Like a bug zapper. But a bug zapper doesn't really work all that well in the light of day. For us, people living in darkness, surrounded by sin and corrupted by it, a light has dawned. A special light. A light that is our salvation, that has burned away our sins. A light that shines so brightly that we can see the truth of those other tempting lights. Jesus has come. He has called us by name. He has written us into his book of life. And welcomed us as his very own. Knowing him being found in Him and in His light. We now live our lives drawn further and further into His holy light. And may the life that you live shine a reflection of that great light which has drawn you in. Amen.